What's up, guys? Welcome back to day four, uh, Thursday. What's today's day? February 8th of Fourth and Wrong, hosted by yours truly, Chris Marler. And today's episode, we have a quick one because I have a little bit of a deep dive I'm saving for tomorrow. I'm very excited about it. I hope you guys tune in for that. Going over NIL's impact on National Signing Day this year in the past couple of years. Got a lot of good data. I'm going to put together some graphics and, you know, do too much like I always do. But today's episode, we are just recapping the 2024 signing day. And we have one question in the mailbag as well. So signing day, as you know, um, there's early signing day that happens in December. You've heard me talk about this before. Old school signing day would happen on the first Wednesday of um, February every year. A couple years back, they moved up to early signing day. I should know the reason why. I don't really know the reason why. Um but it has shown every single year uh, over like the past three to four, more and more kids are signing then. So it makes a very anticlimactic uh, final signing day. There were a couple of people um, that still in some like, you know, big movers, only, not only team wise, but also some, um, some players that had signed yet. If you look at the numbers in the last couple of years, 79 out of the top 100 players, of the two, four, seven composite signed an early signing day um, three years ago, that number jumped up to uh, 93 this year. So there are only seven players out of the top 10 or top 100 who hadn't signed, but they all signed yesterday. And let's go over the classes. Georgia finished number one, Bama at two, Oregon finishing at three, um, Miami at four, Ohio State at five, Texas at six, LSU seven, Oklahoma eight, Notre Dame nine, and Auburn 10. Um, looking at the top 25 and then also the top 10, usually the SEC is the conference that dominates not only signing day, but a lot of other areas when it comes to talent accumulation um, this year. Like I, what, things I want to look at the most were how has the expansion of not only the SEC, but also the Big Ten, um, taking in teams like Texas and Oklahoma to the SEC, and then also Oregon, Washington, USC, um, and UCLA into the Big Ten. How many total um, teams did that seem to impact with the top 25 uh, rankings? How many landed where? So, by conference, here's how many teams ended up in the top 25. The SEC had 13 in the top 25, Big Ten with seven. The ACC had three. The Big 12 had one. I had to erase the Pac-12 because I totally forgot about that entire situation. Um, and, and then the Independent uh, had one, which was, of course, Notre Dame. Um, so it's just some like, things that stood out the most to me from this. Uh, one, incredible job by Georgia, finishing with the number one class. Obviously, the hay was in the barn for a lot of their class. Um, but a tremendous job. I think they had on one rivals. They had the number one overall recruiter. I forgot the name. Um, he was the recruiter of the year on one side. And they had Fran Brown, who was the recruiter of the year on a different site. And obviously Kirby Smart is like the, like one of the best recruiters of all time. Um, other things that stood out to me. How about this? How about the Big 12? Now that Texas and Oklahoma are gone, their highest ranked class in the entire conference was 24th. And it was Texas Tech. I kind of thought we might see some with UCF. Um, maybe that's something that they, they focus more on the portal with. I don't know, but I thought with, especially with Gus Malzahn, um, he's done a decent job with the portal, getting some sec guys, especially, but I thought that they might have uh, the chance to make a move since they're in a power five conference and they are in a, uh, you know, one of the most fertile recruiting grounds in the country in Florida. Um, another thing that stood out to me, how about Oregon finishing at number three, finished at number three without a single, t- uh, five-star player. Really impressive. I think they signed 22 total four stars. It's the highest finished recruiting ranking they've had in program history. And it's the first time they finished in the top 10 in back-to-back seasons. So kudos to Dan Lanning. Um, another thing that really stood out to me, how about this? Michigan coming off a national championship. They only finished 16th, 16th in the entire country. Um, 
they they finished two spots ahead of five and seven Nebraska, and two spots behind five and seven Florida. So very 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 um, surprising, I would say. Um, last but not least, the other thing that stood out the most to me, and again, we will have another episode tomorrow. This one's going to be a short one. Tomorrow, I'm going to get into a deep dive of how the NIL has impacted signing day and all the different teams that's impacted the last couple of years. Some really, really interesting data from all that. The last thing that I will get to today before we get to our audience question, um, another team that did a really good job. And I spoke about this team yesterday on yesterday's episode on what we aren't talking enough about, and it was Brian Kelly and LSU. One of the things that's always been a staple of a dominant LSU program is putting a fence around the state of Louisiana. I remember in 2007 when LSU won the national championship um, with, with Les Miles. The following season, they had, I think, the number one class or one of the top something classes. They had 13 of the top 14 overall players in the state that year signed with Louisiana or with LSU. Louisiana is a very, very underrated recruiting uh, hotbed. Um, but, you know, like, and they will also dip into places like Houston, but it, putting up a fence around the state for, for LSU is a really, really big deal. And if you look at some of the players that have left the state over the years, I mean, it's a it's a laundry list of, of players. Devontae Smith, who won a Heisman, Alabama, he left. Um, Cam Robinson, who was the number one overall player, he left there. Uh, you look at some of the past years, um, like, like just out of the top 10 players in the state, they only signed three of the top 10 in 2020, six of the top 10 in 2021, four of the top 10 in 2022, and five of the top 10 in 2023. So in the last five years before this year, they only got more than half the, the top 10 players in their own state, in their own backyard, just once. That's unheard of in that state. That does not happen in the state of Louisiana. And it wasn't just people like Bama leaving or coming in and, and kind of raiding the state. Bama, Texas, Texas A&M, I believe in 2020, you had teams like Virginia and TCU taking top 10 players. That just doesn't happen. That just doesn't happen. This year, Brian Kelly put a fence around the state signed the number seven overall class and got nine of the top 10 players in the state of Louisiana um, to sign with the Bayou Bengals. So it's a tremendous job by him. All right. That is uh, my news and notes from the um, signing day. We have another episode like tomorrow, like I said, diving into some of the five stars and IL stuff. Uh, our audience mailbag question from a guy named Jeff Schwartz. So thank you for Jeff's consent. He said, what is your favorite all time signing day moment? There's a bunch. There's a bunch to choose from, right? Um, I'm trying, like off the top of my head, the Isaiah Crowell bringing a puppy was pretty awesome. The Cyrus Quandro debacle was was insane. Um, Travis Hunter thing, I know that my, my co-host Tyler Huck has a not the fondest memory of that. That was nuts. Never seen anything like that before. Um, let's see, I'm, I'm looking through some of these right now. Uh, one of my favorite, obviously the Landon Collins thing was kind of crazy, even though it wasn't signing day. Um, one of my favorites of all time was Alex Collins. I've talked about this before. Alex Collins, the running back um, out of Miami at the time, he was between Arkansas and I believe it was Miami. And he announced he was going to Arkansas at his signing day ceremony. Um, big news for coach or head coach at the time, Brett Bielema, um, except his mom did not want him to go to Arkansas. Usually it's the other way around. If you're from Arkansas, your mom doesn't want you to go to Miami because you're getting into a bunch of trouble. Um, this time it was the other way around. His mom was so upset that she took his um, – in LI's national letter of intent and drove off of it for like over an hour and a half, just disappeared, just disappeared. But my all time favorite story. Um, this is a kid. He's from Nevada. This happened in 2008. His name is Kevin Hart. A lot different than the comedian. I'll say that Kevin Hart um, was a offensive lineman from Fernley 
high school. I'm just going to read you this entire thing because it's it's worth every second. Um, he grew up watching Pac-12 games. He nicknamed himself D1, bold move, telling anyone who would listen that he was going to play Division One football. His dream appeared to have come true when he announced he was signing with Cal over Oregon in a press conference on February 1st, 2008, in, a, in front of a gym packed full of fans, fr- uh, friends, family, and media. He even had multiple hats on the table. Um, he said, quote, Coach Tedford and I talked a lot, and the fact that the head coach did most of the recruiting of me kind of gave me a real personal experience with that coach, and we had, like, a really good relationship. One problem, Hart, who had a 1.8 GPA, should have been one sign, was never recruited by Cal. Um, he received letters from Oregon, Washington, Nevada as a junior. He'd never been recruited by anyone uh, at all. Um, within hours, this hoax had been uncovered by friendly officials who contacted Cal to figure out what was going on and found out he'd never been in contact with the school at all. Uh, he finally confessed to his lies and became a national pariah. He eventually went on to play for a junior college and signed with Division II Missouri Western in 2012, four years to the day of his hoax. This man made up uh, a school he was going to and just expected everyone to believe it. I'm kind of shocked it didn't work. And this day, you know, if he would have waited 15 years to, like, to do it now, in the day and age where you can be anything you want to be from a butterfly to, I don't know, whatever pronoun or, or just a division one athlete, you could have just identified as a D one athlete and we all would have been fine with it. That is the show today. I hope you guys have had a great week tomorrow. Friday is the last show of the week. Um, and like I said, it's going to be a good one. I hope you guys tune in and I will see y'all then.